Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Jen. And we thought we would take this episode to share our thoughts on the latest Poshmark events that have been taking place, mainly the fireside chat and the CEO, SEO chats block. <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's been a long week. <laughs> Uh, we know there are lots of opinions out there on these events, and we definitely have our own. So we wanted to take this opportunity to share our unbiased or maybe a little biased <laughs> and uh, true opinions. We'll see you at the table. Uh, the SEO slash CEO. CEO. Oh, my goodness. I know. I apologize. Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. I think I think everyone can agree that it's been um, a pretty long week, if not a couple weeks for a lot of people. I think a lot of things have been going on both personally, professionally for a lot of folks. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm like messing up the intro, but you know what, whatever. It's Friday. I'm ready to try to relax and chill. So <laughs> yes. Um, it's it definitely been a heated and fueled couple of weeks in the Poshmark community, but I think it's been a, um, a heated month, really month and a half with Poshmark. That's fair. And, mm-hmm. uh, but the last two weeks, it's really shown true colors. And next week is actually Poshmark's earnings call. And I think a lot of people are very curious to see how this quarter one earnings call will go with everything that they've been claiming, right, for the last month that profits are up and everything looks great and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, we wanted to take this time to kind of chat about um, our thoughts and Mm -hmm. what the fireside chat kind of consisted of. And we're not going to go into too much detail about that because you can go on YouTube and there are plenty of people that have already made YouTube videos on it. They can get the breakdown. There's Instagram stories, there's uh, reels, there's lots of different things out there. So we're not going to give you a play-by-play of it because it's already happened. And there are things that you can get a play-by-play um, on YouTube, which I exactly. recommend you doing, right? Mm-hmm. Or watching it yourself. I think these were all recorded. So I think if you go to the Poshmark website on their blog area, I believe, or on the events area, I believe these were all recorded. So you guys yeah. have access. And even if not, I, I have heard that other like resellers people have have recorded it anyways so you could probably find a copy of a transcript of it somewhere really easily but it's definitely like it's something that I think that we've all kind of seen there's just a lot of um discussion going Mm -hmm. on right now in the community you know you see a lot of people changing their business strategies people are um you know rethinking, relooking at reselling in general. And uh, there's even individuals who are looking at boycotting, you know, Poshmark. So obviously these are really um, important times, right? That are happening with Poshmark and reselling in general. There's a lot of discussions going on. So like we said, I think um, it's been, you know, a, a big topic of discussion for the past month or so, but it's like, it's almost like after this fireside chat, it's like, it got people like mm. wheels really turning. So Daniela, I know that you attended the fireside chat, you know, do you want to just kind of give us a little bit of like your thoughts and, and what yeah. you saw and what you felt? Yeah, I, uh, I actually went into that, the clubhouse Poshmark room after it was over because I, I had a lot of opinions when, when this, um, when the fireside chat was going on. So basically, you know, Tracy 
Son, the co-founder and SVP was there and Leanne Shea, I believe you pronounce her name. She's the SVP, our senior vice president of community. So I think what people wanted was them to come out and say, we hear you, there are issues and here's the actionable steps that we're going to take to try to better explain it to you guys or come up with, um, you know, maybe manuals, something to like reassure the Poshmark reselling community that they understand what's going on and there's clearly issues and, you know, we need to work together or we're not seeing the same issues that you're seeing on our end. So we need to work together as a community to try to figure it out. Right. Um, that's not, that's not really the message message that was conveyed. It was more so of, we know you're all really upset, but mm-hmm. here's like all the really great things we're seeing on our end and not really acknowledging what everyone else was saying in the chat, which can we just not do a chat in these live events? There is no, first of all, why are you doing it on Zoom? Is my first question. You're a professional mm-hmm. company. You should have a webinar type platform where you can do this on that has an unlimited amount of people that can come on because Zoom caps it even on the business one after a certain amount, which is why it was capped for people. Very yeah, I heard, I heard that. Like it was kind of hard to get a like a virtual ticket or something. Right. right? So <laughs> Zoom is not the right platform for that. You should be researching and finding other platforms or quite honestly, make this pre-recorded. There was no reason for people to attend the event when they never even ended up answering any questions. Mm. Um, they were kind of dumbfounded because the chat kept going and going and going and they just, everything was negative. Everything was negative. Wow. And, um, and I, I don't think they anticipated that type of response, but when you've been silent for so long and not acknowledging people, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I think a lot of it is that postures are just really upset because they don't have a platform where their voice can be heard. You know, like you said, there is no customer service. There is no one that you can talk to, to help you through some legitimate problems that you could be having, you know, with your reselling business on their platform. And so it was like, you know, don't call it a fireside chat then, you know, if, if that's the case, it's like rather, like you said, it's just a webinar or a state of the union, state of the company. That's what it should have been called as opposed to chat. Because when I think of fireside chat, that to me, it's like something where it's like an intimate chat between people, Mm -hmm. you know, let's like, like, let's air out some grievances. Let's see what are the issues that you're seeing, you know, that kind of thing. And then I'm sorry if everyone can hear landscapers in the background, the landscapers just showed up and I I can't help the noise. Well, it's not also the landscaper, it's the puppy. And I think that he's at the sofa, so Daniela, continue. I'll be right back, everyone. (laughs) I've got a puppy eating the couch. So Um, yeah, I think another part of it that was um, concerning to me was you specifically asked when people registered to input questions that they had. So even if you didn't want to acknowledge the chat, right? Pretend like you're going to ignore the chat completely or it wasn't even there. People sent you questions beforehand. You could cherry pick the questions that you want to answer and and let me pick five, right? And talk mm-hmm. about them in that half hour span. They didn't even do that. I think they were just so um, blindsided by what was happening that they didn't even know how to proceed. And I'm sure they were talking to each other privately in the Zoom, like we got to get out of here kind of thing because it was 
it was a dumpster fire. I mean, I hate to say it, but it was, it was <laughs> awful. It I was saw awful. a lot of, of emojis and a lot of people saying like it, it was, was a dumpster fire. It wow. was. And, you know, for an established public company, it's not a good image. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a good image. And at the end of the day, you're trying to get people's buy-in after not talking to them for a while and ignoring the fact that a certain group of people are not making sales, which they did admit they were doing A-B testing on a live site. Wow. Like, did you think about that before you said it, number one? And number two, why would you ever do that? Yeah, I think that that's really, really sad that they are not doing beta testing and not in a controlled test environment. Awful. You know, they're it's, it's shocking to me because like, these are, these are people's livelihoods, you know, a lot of people depend on this money, you know, not just for like extra fun money or whatever, you know, these are some people's bills, you know, their, um, their mortgage, all these other things. And, and to be throwing people into AB testing like that, it's just, um, it's, it's not right. And I've never seen, I've never seen anything like that where you just go into production, you know, and you're, you're just like, I'm going to test in a production environment. It's like, you don't, you don't do that. You're really, you're supposed to have a test environment, have beta testers. I mean, you guys know what we're talking about. You, you've, you are all familiar with like Vendu and List Perfectly mm-hmm. and how they have beta testers and all these other reselling companies. And they, you know, they ask people to come and test for them. And, and that's really how it's supposed to be done. So I'm really surprised, you know, with them being such a, a tech heavy company to not understand testing 101. (laughs) Right. Like who did you hire to take on this project is my question, because that should be any IT guru's number one thing is we need to create a test environment so that we can, you can even pay testers. There's ways to compensate testers. You want me to be part of your testing? No problem. I have no problem being part of your testing. Then I want you to to take away my 20% fees for this month that I'm going to be testing or something. You got to do something to incentivize it. You can't just And then you should, and here's the other thing too, is you have two sites you log into. So Poshbrook would give you a list of things like, okay, today you're going to be testing X, Y, and Z in the test site, but your regular site's going to be running as is. Nothing's going to change on the regular site. No one's going to see it on the front end, but on the back end, we're going to be doing all these things you're going to be helping us with on the, on the backside of it all. And it's a different thing you log into. It's a completely different website. Like Mm -hmm. I've done it. I do it for work. So I kind of know what I'm talking about when it comes to this stuff, as does Jen. So to even know, and we, Jen and I had a feeling that there was A-B testing going on just by what we were seeing, things we were talking about in the Patreon group with with our friends there, what they were seeing. It was Mm -hmm. quite evident that there was was A-B testing happening, just not in a beta setting, which was, I think, the most concerning thing for Jen and I, that this would even happen. Absolutely, Um, absolutely. It makes sense why why so many people say that they saw you know, like one month it was amazing and the next month it was awful. So um, it's really unfortunate that that is the way that they decided to test a lot of these things. Um, And like I said, you know, like there needs to be more support for the Poshmark community that has, you know, I mean, these individuals and these resellers have really built up this platform, you know, and, and Poshmark is a great platform to sell on. It really, really is. And, and um, the only thing that people I think are asking for are very, very basic things. You know, they're just asking for some customer support, 
you know, just some more visibility on what's been going on, you know, with their platform. And, and, and I, I would say that that's like the basic things, you know, that people are asking for. I mean, obviously there's always going to be asks and people are always oh, yeah. going to want more or whatever, but I think that for the most part, what people ask for are, are, are very fair, you know, and, and basic functions of a company. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. all it is. At the end of the day, I don't even have a chat that's 24 seven where I can reach out to someone or a texting line. Like I don't even have that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even happy. a chat, a chat bot too. You could have a chat bot. Yes. Um, that would work as well. But yeah. Um, kind of what else, uh, did you see that was going on well, while you're that, doing that? that I'm going to really, go put the puppy away. <laughs> that was really it with the fire in terms of like what was actually presented in the fire side chat. That was really it. It was uh, you know, we're working on things in the back end. We're trying to improve things. We want to be more open and transparent with you guys. We're going to hold these, you know, fireside chats or, um, you know, these hacks. They, they have the, the SEO hack, which we'll talk about too. So they want these forums to be open. But, um, I, and I, and it was nice. It was a PR thing. You know, you, you come out and you, um, you say these things to the public. It's very PR. It's, we got to cover ourselves and, and let people feel like they're being heard and, and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every business does it. Every business has a PR team that comes out and says, all right, guys, these are things you need to say so that we can kind of smooth things over a little bit. But all it did was make things worse. Hmm. So then after this, then a week later, they had the SEO hack thing that they did. Yeah. And this was a big deal before it even started because they blocked it off to a certain group of people. Now, if you're oh. going to be doing an SEO presentation, wouldn't you have it open to everyone in your organization so they have access to it? It's a training tool, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just make it one pre-recorded? Again, you don't need to make it live. Or if you're going to do it live, do it on YouTube. You have a YouTube stream on YouTube. Millions of people can see it and there's replays. So if someone can't see it while you're live, not a big deal. It's on YouTube kind of thing. You could make the YouTube unlisted if you wanted to keep it secret for whatever reason. And you can just send it out to your people a half hour before the event. You send the unlisted link off to your people that have signed up. Unlimited amount can sign up. So now you've already pissed off everyone that couldn't get a ticket in the beginning. I couldn't. I was working. How am I going to sign up for this? I want to attend for the sole purpose of being able to see what's what. Because people are going to talk about it. We have the, you know, we have this podcast. We have the Patreon group. We want to to see what's happening, current event, you know, mm-hmm. current, event, current event wise. And um, so I couldn't get a ticket. So I started complaining. I never complain on Instagram and I complained on Instagram and I was like, Hey, Poshmark, not cool. Like this is an event to help people better their business and you're going to cap it. That doesn't make any sense. At Evernorth health services. We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line. It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So a lot of people started doing the same thing and my DMs were flooded that day because everyone was like, I didn't get anything. I didn't get like everyone. How many people did you let in? 200? Like, what were you thinking? That's a shame. And I feel like SEO... Or CEO, I'm just kidding. Yeah. SEO, 
is such a great topic for so many people. And I think a lot of people get really hung up on it. Not maybe not hung up on it, but they get, they get confused, you know, right. and, um, it can definitely be something that could be a little bit intimidating for some people where they're just like, I don't really understand the way that it works. I don't understand the tag words. I don't understand how to use keywords or key phrases or whatever. So yep. it's like, this type of information is so amazing, not only for beginners, but just like so many different people. I, I mean, I would love to attend these types of things as well, you know, because it's like, yes, I can, I understand, um, you know, SEO a little bit more because I've done a lot of research and, you know, we've been, um, and we have like some great resources, you know, our friend, Tracy, you know, yeah. me, myself and donuts. She's absolutely amazing when it comes to SEO. You know, there's definitely people that you can follow and YouTube videos that you can, um, you can, you know, follow and watch, but, you know, to hear it from like Poshmark itself, that would be something where it's like, wow, that would be really amazing to understand like their whole take on, on it. Right. Yes. And understand right. that. So it's a shame that, um, again, that, you know, this, this, these types of like informational chats and things that could be really helpful for the community are, are capped. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you ever cap it? Like that, I think that's the part that bothered me the most. Why would you cap such an event? where there's so many different ways to provide this information to people so that everyone has access to it. Regardless, they ended up opening it back up and letting another influx of people come in and they closed it. So I'm now thinking, okay, they put this SEO hack thing together. I'm assuming, or we're all under the assumption that this is going to be what they're looking for moving forward in this new algorithm that they're, that they've come up with, that they really want to focus on relevance and everything. These are the intentions that I think they have. And these are the assumptions I go in with. Well, it was very clear in the first three minutes, honestly, of the SEO um, chat that this was Poshmark 101. This was very basic. Yes, they did have a couple of good points that I think even someone that's um, a veteran reseller would benefit from. But for the most part, it was just the very basics of SEO. Now, if you're brand new, this was fantastic information. I think it was great the way they broke it down, the way they presented it, the way they showed um, the way titles and how metadata's picked up. Like, I think they did a really great job with that. But for someone that's been selling on the platform for longer than we'll say two years mm -hmm. or even a year, and you've kind of been diving into the, the YouTube videos and seeing SEO from other you know, postures or eBayers that are out there, you already knew everything that they were saying. Gotcha. You know, mm -hmm. using good lighting in a white background. Okay. Thanks. Oh, okay. So those were kind of the tips and stuff that were. Yeah. And like, you know, they did say there was a couple of good things, like make sure you're taking pictures of your, um, if you knew a tag item, you're taking pictures with the tags, have the tags in the picture, the actual UPC and everything and the scan code, because Google can pick up on that or someone might scan their tag. Like, a, like a, let's say they're in a store and they're scanning mm -hmm. a tag because they want to find a specific, that item, but in a specific size, they can scan the tag on Google and then it'll pop up your listing because it's referencing your picture that you had, right? Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was neat. I always did that without even thinking, but a lot of people don't do that. So, you know, I think that was a really great tip. Um, I think if you are new to even hear them say, if you're photographing denim at night, you want to make sure they have the proper lighting because that blue hue can have a yellow hinge to it every time that you photograph at night. I thought that was a really great tip mm -hmm. for someone that's newer. Um, they talked about Google Shopping, which I thought was really nice too, to kind of give people the idea of like, hey, people do use Google Shopping and there are certain criteria that they pull to make sure that your listing is up there. 
they kind of talked about how web how Poshmark makes their website so that it is searchable in Google. You know, they, they talked about some of the logistics of that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that's kind of what the SEO side was on. And then it completely transitioned to um, Poshmark's trending page. And like, you can look at all the trends here and these are all the things that you need. And we're pulling from all this data from our website. And okay, but there's so much more that goes into that than just you pulling trends from an SEO page. Cause when I look, if I look right now on your trending page, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily align with what you're posting there. And for me, those aren't trends for me. They might be trends for someone else. So I don't know. It was, and it was the full half hour. And I think that um, they completely ignored the chat, which I think was smart on their part. I think that they just need to remove the chat altogether. You don't have to have a chat function for any of this. I think you just present your information and you bow out. But again, they asked for questions in the form when you, when you got your ticket and they never addressed any of them. Mm-hmm. So are you just so overwhelmed by the questions that you don't want to address them during this time? Or is it, you don't know how to address them? Like, what is it that's, what, where is the bottleneck for Poshmark in this? I think like as someone who, um, it was in marketing and someone that works in tech and, you know, and just being in the professional world, there's bottlenecks that happen in different processes, right? Mm-hmm. Where's their bottleneck? Yeah, and yeah. I think that the teams just don't talk to each other. I don't think there's communication that happens across all the different teams. I think the big wigs know pretty much what's happening. And then some of the information goes out to the teams as they see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so there's definitely communication issues, which would make sense. They don't even have a communication line for us as a seller. So communication is an issue mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, you know, did I like the format better of the SEO hack that they did? Yeah, I think it was great. I think that's the format they should stick with, but again, could have been pre-recorded and just sent out and saved the time of the worker mm-hmm. and everyone else to log in at a certain time to see it, make it pre-recorded and just put it out there kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, no, it was, um, it was interesting. <laughs> no, I think that that's a really, really great overview, Daniela, you know, and thank yeah. you so much. You know, I'm so glad that you're able to attend both yeah. of those, you know, Make to kind of give your, your opinions and, um, you know, we, we try really hard to here at, at Thrifters Villa to, to be as unbiased as possible, right? Oh, yeah, I'm um, totally biased right now. But, totally biased. <laughs> well, I was trying to say that we try to be unbiased. We try. But we try. Um, but at the same time, you, but you can, you can tell that these types of discussions are heated discussions for us mm-hmm. because, you know, when you, when you're a passionate reseller and you are somebody who truly, truly loves to sell on Poshmark, you know, it is very, very frustrating to not feel that support and that love kind of come back. You know, and so I think that's where, like we said, I think a lot of people are are feeling that within the community today, because um, like I said, there's just, there's, I think there's a lot of uncertainty that's kind of been going on. And it kind of goes into our next topic about like, you know, the future of reselling and, and, and what's been happening and what's been going on and mm. how, um, you know, I think a lot of people are really starting to wake up and realize that like, I can't put all my eggs in one basket. Right. And that's something that's really, really important. I think it's something that's been stressed um, amongst a lot of, I guess, quote unquote, top resellers that I would say, you know, people who Mm -hmm. have been doing it for a really long time. I know Danielle and I have talked about that. Not that I'm saying that we're like top sellers or anything, but (laughs) we've (laughs) 
we've seen the benefits, right. Of cross-posting and cross-listing, not saying that you need to like get any, any tools or whatever to help you. You can do it yourself. You absolutely can. Um, but you know, the benefits of being able to spread out your inventory as much as you can is something that I think more and more people are, are doing and becoming really creative in their ways of selling stuff. Um, I have to say, you know, other than the usual suspects, right. Of people moving to eBay, moving to Mercari, moving to Depop. Um, you know, I'm seeing people also selling things on Facebook selling things locally, selling them on YouTube, you know, opening up their own websites. Like people are getting really creative in the way that they're selling things and people are making money doing this kind of stuff. They really are. I think there's different scopes to this. I think the first scope is the future of reselling platforms. I think that's a really important thing to always consider because they could up and leave at any point in time. And for you to be stuck in one place is never smart. And it's just not a good, like just business decision. You should Mm -hmm. never do it. Right. Because even people that have brick and mortar, secondhand stores have online presences because if the brick and mortar were to disappear tomorrow, they can still have their online presence and they would make it work. So you have to think about it that way. And I'm not saying that Poshmark is disappearing tomorrow. I don't think Poshmark is going anywhere, but I do believe that if they don't improve, that their investors will leave. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that that's a big possibility and another company coming in and just buying it out and keeping the name, but restructuring. And like, we see this happen with companies all the time. Poshmark is no different. The only reason you don't see it happening with eBay is because eBay is a monster and has been around for so long and they've perfected the reselling game. They have perfected it. And everyone wants to be eBay. You could say eBay and Amazon are almost equals when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's this question, there's always debate of like, which one's better, eBay or Amazon? I think it just depends on what you're looking for and how quickly you want things, but they both offer very similar things. Mm -hmm. We forget that eBay offers the same thing that Amazon does. We forget it. the other part is other companies are merging together all the time. Trade Z and Vestir Collective just joined. I got the email this past week. They're now one big force together. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be amazing. If you're mm-hmm. a luxury seller or you like you want to sell internationally without having to be on eBay, this is your opportunity now. Because mm-hmm. Vestir is international. Trade Z is not. Now you've right. got these both of these forces coming together that both tend to uh, aim for that mid-tier to luxury customer. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, and there's so many other smaller platforms out there that we haven't even mentioned that they are just up and coming, you know, and I mean, it's just doing your research and seeing, um, what works. What is that one where people are trying to apply shop thrilling shop thrilling where people are applying so that they can sell basically like a Facebook live kind of thing. Right. Oh, that's what not you're talking about. What not? Oh, I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. What not. Mm -hmm. Whatnot, where people are, and I see big time resellers putting in their applications in there to go in and be able to get in front of the camera and just start selling a lot of their inventory. So it's kind of interesting. Like reselling is really, I think it's it's really changing the face of reselling. It's really changing the space because I think I think well, whatnot offers. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So. 
You want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Live auctions where eBay, you have to wait for your auction to end. So they basically merged what like IG Instagram lives were. And then you're taking the auction that eBay has and putting it together and you create this little baby called whatnot. So now you have people need to come, people can jump around like in Clubhouse, you jump to different rooms, you jump to different auction rooms and you go to all different ones, you see which one kind of appeals to you. And you've got one that's doing shoes and they all start at a dollar. And then one that does t-shirts all starts at a dollar. And you know, there's bidding wars that happen and everything. So like, it's fun. It's interactive. It's different. Um, you know, they definitely, they are definitely catering towards the influencers first, which is absolutely understandable because they need to get their name out there somehow. Absolutely. I'm sure they paid the really big influencers to go on there first. Like it's just, that's business. That's just business. Exactly. It is what it is, but that's a really great thing. The other thing that a lot of people in our Patreon group have been talking about is shop thrilling. So if they're, we have a lot of vintage sellers and they apply to be a part of shop thrilling. And the cool thing about it is, you know, you populate your listings through the CSV file and everything. And they have um, these different, uh, I guess they're like banners that will show up and say, you know, we have a company that's looking for whatever it is, right? This item, if you have it, submit your item. And the people that are looking for this, a lot of times are movie production companies. They're coming in, they're filming a specific movie and they need something from the 1950s that looks a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And Etsy had components of that where a lot of people were going into Etsy, they were from movie production companies and they were buying things that way and, you know, leaving notes and whatnot that this was going to be on a movie. But to have an actual home for that now, it's kind of like what Shop Thrilling's become is like the home for that. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, I don't, amazing. I don't sell vintage, but I think that's awesome. I think that's really cool, yeah. And I'm also seeing too, and I, I don't know about you, Jamila, but I feel like where before a couple of years ago, I said everything was so brand focused. I'm seeing such a big shift in that too, right? I'm seeing that now it's like people are really looking for style now and different cuts, certain patterns, you know, and, and that's why I think more and more people I'm seeing are flocking out of Depop, right? Where it's like that whole Y2K. I'm seeing people sell Y2K stuff for really, really good money. So again, it's like, it's not about, it's not all about the brands anymore. Yes, it is a huge part of it. Don't get me wrong. That will never go away. Cause I mean, I know I shop for brands. I know the brands that I like and I look for them and everything too, but people are now like going on there and looking for specific things that they want within a certain genre, a certain era, a certain whatever, you know? And it's really interesting because I think that is also what has been changing too, where reselling was so brand focused. Now it's like, people I think are getting more comfortable with the idea of vintage, you know, and now that like early, you know, 19, like late nineties, early two thousands are now turning into vintage. It's like, it's becoming more accessible and under, and people are more like, oh yeah, I remember that. I could wear that. You know, I think that's where that shift is also coming from. Cause I think a lot of people, whenever you think of vintage, you would think of like something from your mom's closet. Right. <laughs> right. It's so true. But I think the other thing too is where all these other platforms are focusing not on brand 
there were two words, I didn't say this before, but there were two words that Poshmark kept saying Mm -hmm. um, during their SEO chat thing. And one of them was brand. It like brand kept coming up. And the other thing was relevance. And to me, that to me makes me feel like Poshmark wants that more curated, boutique-y, like buy, sell, trade kind of feel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to be like a Facebook marketplace. That's like selling a whole bunch of hodgepodge of things. Right. Correct. Like we have all these categories, but we really, without saying it, want you to kind of look at the brands and like, we want Poshmark to look up. We want Poshmark to look pretty like that. That's what that says to me. And that doesn't mean that style can't sell on Poshmark, but I do think it makes it more difficult when you have branded closets. Now you could be a brand. I could be a branded closet. If I have an LLC and all that kind of stuff, I could apply to be a branded closet, but I'm talking about like the anthropologies, the free people, the Mm -hmm. Levi's that, that are on Poshmark. Like all platforms have that, right? So eBay has companies that do this as well, but eBay is known to be an everything kind of place but that's what they designed from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Poshmark never des- was never designed that way. They were always designed to be pretty. Yeah, yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. an interesting point because yes, every other platform is focusing on vintage and styles and not necessarily brands and people who are selling on these other platforms are doing really, really well, but they're yeah. struggling on Poshmark. Mm-hmm. They're struggling. Yeah, uh, I mean, most people aren't selling that type of stuff on Poshmarks that I've seen or I talk to, you know, they just, try to, they try to, and it well, they try to, but like when they cross post it, it was still somewhere else. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So it's, it, there's, there's a lot of factors like, and we're not going to bash any platform because I think every platform has amazing things about it. I think mm-hmm. it all depends on what you sell, how you want to sell, what you're comfortable doing, what do you want to pay for automation? Like they're just there are so many factors and what actually moves for you. And again, this goes into, we talk about this often, like the data, are you looking, are you analyzing what it is that actually sells for you? Do you have a way to see the items that actually sell for you and make an informed decision that way as mm-hmm. to where to cross post on? I think it gets extremely overwhelming really quickly when you just start cross posting everywhere. <laughs> I don't think that's the right game plan. I think you need to figure out what it is that sells for you and then putting it on those platforms where it should go. I agree. I agree. I think if you, well, I guess if you have the tools to just massively dump stuff in there, just do it. It's not going to hurt. You know what I mean? That's how I look at it. But if it's something where it's like, it is going to eat into your time, then yeah, you should be strategic about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And figure out like, okay, well, on this platform, I know this and this and this sell. So I'm, and, but like this item that I have here doesn't, so I'm not going to spend my time, right. Um, cross-posting these pieces over there, you know? So, I, I mean, I know that when I did that, I definitely had a very different, I had a very different Mercari closet a very different Poshmark closet and it's not even closets. I even hate say that word, right? Store. It's a store. (laughs) Right. So I had a very different, very different stuff on all of these sites. I had a kids insight. I had trade Z had all this stuff. And I had very specific things that all went there. Um, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't cross post everything that I had, you know? So it was like, it was like Poshmark was more like curated between that, like mid mid range 
mm-hmm. kind of feel. I always think felt like mid-range worked for me. Mm-hmm. Mercari is where I just threw everything in there. And I just kind of waited and to see what, what would stick kind of thing. Tradesy was more upper luxury, you know, um, not necessarily luxury, but higher end brands is what yep. I would say. And then the real, real was where all my luxury stuff went, you know, and then eBay, I just kind of put almost everything on there because you never know who's going to be on eBay and who's looking for stuff, but you always got to make sure you turn on that international. Oh my God. Uh, You need to have global shipping on. You need to have the global shipping program. It's so easy. They do everything for you. And that is where you can get a lot of sales from that. So you know, it was really like everything was curated in, in my stores, you know, and, and this is normal. This is what stores do. Right. So again, you know, guys know that I was a buyer for many, many years and we had, um, you know, it just depending on what area that we had was dep- what depended on what kind of inventory went there, what Makes kind sense. of price points were in there. All of that really factored in because what we would have in our California stores was not what we would have in our St. Louis stores for example, right? Because there's so many different factors that you need to look into to curate the stores based on the location. Mm -hmm. And so you got to kind of look at like all of your platforms as locations, right? So in this location, what works, what sells? And the only way you're going to be able to figure that out is research, research, research. You Mm -hmm. sell, 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 don't sell, sell, don't sell. It's just time and research. That's the only way you're going to be able to figure it out because as we all know, something that works for me might not work for you, right? And I have no way of explaining as to why I can sell this and you can't, for example. I have theories on that. Well, I have one theory in particular. No. I think, well, I don't know, like the, literally this is just a thought, but there are certain people that can sell certain brands, no problem. And it mm-hmm. makes me sit back and think about it. And I'm like, is it because of what is in their store to begin with and the way they value their items? Does that change the buyer's perspective from a marketing standpoint? Does that change a buyer's perspective as to what they're willing to pay and buy in your closet, given what they see when they first come in? That's what I think. Yeah. And like, what kind of buyer do you attract? Because you attract a certain kind of buyer. Let's say you attract the um, everyday business person who kind of wears business casual and um, but likes to go out at night and like kind of falls into that, like Madewell Everlane, but like likes to wear funky things sometimes. Like, you know, like in that middle, like, like you said, like that middle, middle range, it's like yeah, that mm-hmm. everyday brand. It's not necessarily all mall brand. It's like a step above mall brand, but still wears target and loves it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that in between, <laughs> if you don't generally have what that person is looking for in your closet, well, they're probably not going to buy that brand they always buy from me, we'll say, because your closet doesn't really offer them too much more than maybe the basic mall brand. Or you have a super high-end closet and they love to look at that stuff, but that's not what they're looking for when it comes to buying. So if you're all focused on one particular category, Mm-hmm. It makes it really tough, but then it, then there's a discussion of what if, what if you have a little bit of everything in theory that should be better, right? No, I think as a customer, it can make it overwhelming if you're a little bit of everything. It I don't could. know. Some thoughts. Could. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because I, th- I will have to say that I've been more of a buyer lately, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to secondhand sites and when I am going, <laughs> it's funny and I wonder how much this factors into things, but this is also could just be me being cheap. 
Uh, so much of like what I see is like when I go into a closet, right? And right now I'm looking for blouses. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get a couple new blouses for for the summertime, but I don't want to pay seven, almost eight dollars to ship a blouse. I just don't. Yeah. You know, it, it kills me, especially when like let's say I, I found a blouse for for ten dollars, fifteen dollars. I'm like. And basically like almost 50% of that is going into shipping, you know? And so what I'll do is I go in and I go into the closet and I look and see what else do they have? What else do they have in my size that I could maybe bundle? So Mm. bundling has been a really big thing for me lately. So um, like it's particularly too with like um, clothing for Ellie. I love buying secondhand clothing for Ellie because as you know, those who have kids out there, they grow really quick and they go through their clothes like crazy because there's constantly a stain <laughs> or something yep. on it. Right. Yep. So I like to get her clothes, but I'm not going to buy a tiny little t-shirt for her and spend $7 to ship it, you know? Right. So there's a lot of people where it's like, I'm looking to bundle, I'm looking for things. So it's like, I think a lot of that is like, I'm looking for closets that I have that have similar styles, things that I like that I can just group together because of the the shipping cost. Yeah, I see both sides of it. I think of like how I buy things and I'm usually looking for one item and maybe that's just the way that I am as a buyer. Like I don't, I'm only looking for like a specific thing. Like when I was looking, I recently bought a pair of Noble um, sneakers. I've Mm -hmm. wanted a pair for a really long time. I just can't bring myself to pay $200 for a pair of sneakers. I'm not going to do it. Um, And I had never found them in, well, lie. I found them in my size and I ended up selling them because I didn't really love the color. So I sold them. Um, but I found, I found a pair that I really loved and the person just happened to have two pairs and gave me a good deal. So I bought them, but generally I'm only looking for one thing. Well, it depends if I'm browsing. Yeah. I'm all about bundling. Yeah. I'm looking for something really specific that I do need. I'll buy it. That's not a problem. I'm not going to like not buy it because I can't find something to bundle. That's the (laughs) only time I bundle is when I'm sourcing. (laughs) Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. I definitely like to bundle when I source too. That is a big thing too, for me. I I don't like to pay that $7 and eat it into my cost of goods, but I don't know. I think it's just like when I'm browsing, I do like, I do like to bundle. So yeah, but also because I'm cheap too. So, (laughs) you know, selling definitely changes your views on shopping and we all know that. So we talked all about it in our last episode, didn't we? We did. We did. <laughs> um, but really, you know, a lot of other things, you know, that I think they're going to be coming up to down the pipeline is I think we're going to start seeing a lot of people chatting about summer slowdown. We're getting there. We're, you know, we're. I have thoughts on this too, man. I have lots of thoughts lately. Um, I don't know if summer slowdown is necessarily a thing. I think it depends on what you sell. I think a hundred percent that too, because I never, I never really, I've never experienced summer slowdown ever. I didn't, I never did. I always found that it was really good for me, but it was like, but I also started changing my mindset on what I would source Mm. back in spring, you know? So I, I would stop buying everyday sweaters. Of course I would look in the sweaters. I always like to look in the sweaters because you never know what you're going to find. And if I would find like a gold mine, like a, like a, a, a bolo. Oh my gosh. That I would pick that up, but I wouldn't pick up like the cute J crew sweater. I'd be like, no, that can wait. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'd rather have my dollars go into shorts, into dresses, into skirts, you know, sandals, those kind of things. And so 
I really don't experience summer slowdown either. Um, is it a real thing? I don't really know. Um, I think, but I think it really does depend, like Daniela says, on, on what you're selling, because I think people are really looking for specific things. And then also halfway through the summer, you need to start switching your mindset again and start bringing in those sweaters, start bringing in those coats, start bringing in like those jackets, because people then start realizing, oh, back to school. You know, I have to start, it's, it's about trying to think ahead of like the seasons and, um, you know, really catering and planning your sourcing around that. And that's why we do our trend reports. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we do them. And then we have one plan for you guys next week to kind of talk about summer trends and what we're seeing, what the platforms are seeing and, you know, talking about all of that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I think that it's very important to be ahead, just like a retailer is. Any retail clothing store is has already ordered wintered, and it's probably been sitting in the back. Well, winter's probably being delivered soon to the stores. I'd say like June, July, winter starts to be delivered, and you'll start seeing it hitting the floors late. You'll see fall stuff like late August, early September, and then full winter goes out in in October, right after Halloween. You'll have full winter that goes out, like. You just have, that's the way you need to source. And doesn't mean like Jen said, you don't source other things year round because you absolutely do because you can find amazing things because no one's looking in those areas. Exactly. Um, but you, you do need to spend a little bit more time focusing on things that are happening in the summer, beach weather, festivals, um, proms right now, right? Proms are big, dresses are selling. Weddings are going to be big this year. So from oh, yeah. May to like December, big wedding season time. Like that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe you start picking up heels again because for a while, the last couple of years, we were kind of straying away from picking up heels. I'll say I've already, I've sold three pairs in the last week. So yeah, I've been selling, um, cocktail dresses again. Like it's crazy to me. And I've been having them sit and sit and sit. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden those all started picking up because I'm just like, yep. Wedding time wedding and you know what I put that's where your SEO also then comes in literally you guys you can just like in your listing at the bottom just put keywords literally that's what you can do I've done that before where I'm just like wedding guest wedding guest attire summer wedding like you know cute wedding cute wedding guest dress like literally that is like just the simple things think about like if you were looking for something yes what would you type in in a google search so true and Poshmark has the ability to put tags in and they did talk about this in the SEO um, chat, you know, using the tags, but Poshmark doesn't really utilize tags in that way. Yeah. I think it's something that they're working on and everything. And I think with time that will develop other platforms use use and have been using hashtags for a very long time. Um, But the keyword thing is like an old school Poshmark hack is at the bottom of your description, you would just type in a bunch of keywords. But when, but when we say typing in keywords, we don't mean you type in brands. You do not type in any brands in the keyword section. You're typing in literally what someone would search. So yes, please don't, please don't do that. It pisses me off so much (laughs) when people are like, it's a no name brand. They're like, 
Christy Dawn. No, it's yeah, not. Christy Dawn, Doan, Maywell, yeah. Everlane. It's like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. Did you just like open up the directory to like a mall or something like that and just start typing in things? Like JC Penny, Brooks Brothers. Yeah. Stop <laughs> typing it. Do not type in brands. It's so bad for SEO. Do not do that. Um, you will piss off a buyer real quick when you do that and they won't look at anything in your closet. Um, no, because it, it makes me feel like they're very untrustworthy. Yes. It and does. it's all about it building does. trust with your customer. So how can you build trust with your customer? You have clear and concise photos. You have video. If you want video, you're describing any flaws, any defects, and the, the piece itself, you're descriptive in that nature. Your pricing is on point. You're not too high. You're not too low. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're giving the buyer confidence right? And then having good ratings, all these different things, ship time, all of that, you're building buyer. Do you think anyone goes into Amazon and is generally concerned about their order they put in of it not being received or not being as described? No, generally people know that when they order something on Amazon, they're more than likely going to get what they wanted and what they anticipated mm -hmm. on getting. And the price point is what they anticipated in being. And the ship time is generally where they thought it would be. That's all that, but you need to do that yourself as your own small business, as your own small business on a platform or your own website. These are the things you need to do subliminally without even realizing it. You need to do it. <laughs> That's very true. It's very true. But yeah, I, I mean, guys, those are, those are just kind of the things that we know that we are either seeing or we're anticipating that we're going to see as mm. topics, right? <laughs> Within the reselling community that are coming up. Um, you know, this was just literally, like we said, a chit chat between Danielle and I and our, and our thoughts on, you know, kind of what's been going on. But um, I mean, in the end, you know, Danielle and I are very passionate resellers. We absolutely love doing this. This is just um, a fun hobby that turned into something more, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way if you're listening to this, like there is a passion in you too, when it comes to reselling and, you know, it's the biggest thing that I think for me, what I am so appreciative of reselling is that I've learned a skill now that I, no matter what happens to me in my life, if, you know, my company closes tomorrow and I don't have a job or whatever, I have a way to make money. Yep. And that is the, that is the biggest gift that reselling has has brought for me. And, you know, that's why I'm just so passionate about it because it's, it's something that's low cost for people to get into, you know, and you can build and build and build on that. You really, really can, but you also have to remember that there's going to be ebbs and flows in this type of business. There's going to be things that change, you know, the, the, um, the places that you're going to sell might change. They might change the way that they, you know, present themselves too. Like Daniela said, you know, you've got to look at your inventory and like making sure you're getting the right stuff, um, doing the right research, all of that. As we know, money doesn't grow on trees. This is hard work. Every reseller will tell you that this is hard work to find the items, source the items, clean the items, sell the items, do all that kind of stuff. It is hard, hard work, but we're here for it. We're all about it. So, you know, thank you so much for always joining us and chatting with us, you know, about reselling. Like we said, we absolutely love it. So yeah, that's, that's all I got to say for this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you said it all. You said it all, Jen. And I think that if you're struggling right now, know that you're not alone because you're definitely not alone. There's a whole community that's struggling with it. Um, and I think there's a lot of safe places to have these discussions with people and feel safe to have the discussions. I do think things will get better. 
Um, I just, you know, we don't know when. And if you in a position where you can't wait, then, you know, like we said, start looking at different places that maybe you can start doing things. Look at pop-ups, look at local places, look at consignment stores you can start working with. Like there's so many things you can do offline as well as online um, to get the streams of income going for you. And we will definitely be back next week and we will have a summer trends report for you. Um, yes. along with some of the trends that we're seeing out in the wild. I'm sure Jen is seeing some interesting trends in the West Coast compared oh, to yeah. what I'm seeing here on the East Coast. So we'll definitely <laughs> talk about that. We'll definitely uh, have to do some comparison and see. Yeah, what's... because I know you guys are, you know, you guys have a lot of festivals and stuff that happen on the West Coast at this time. So, and I know the fashion in the West Coast is always slightly ahead of the fashion here on the East Coast. Slightly, just ever so slightly. Just slightly, that's yeah. all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye-bye.